Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! All right, Syracuse, fresh off a defeat to Notre Dame. We're going to go ahead and start this space. We've had some people pop in and out so far. We expect some more will be coming in as this space progresses. But it's time for our instant reactions post-game space. Syracuse and Notre Dame just wrapped up from inside the Dome. The Orange falling again for the second straight week, this time by a score of 41 to 24, uncharacteristically weak play from Tony White's defense on the day. Notre Dame's running game dominated the afternoon. And Syracuse, well, they taste defeat for the second week in a row. And we'll talk about how that bodes for the Orange and what they can expect the rest of the season and what that means throughout this space. But first things first, taking a look at this game through a broad lens, it is safe to say that SU this afternoon was just flat-out beaten by a team that was better coached, much more physical, and much healthier. Notre Dame looked way fresher, way more prepared than Syracuse. The Orange didn't look fresh, didn't look very confident in their game plan, and looked flat. Almost like Syracuse just got off the plane from Clemson this morning. So, cut-and-dry SU's fifth straight loss to Notre Dame dating back to 2014. And for me, as I sat there through the end of that game, late third quarter, fourth quarter with Syracuse down, I was thinking to myself, how big does that NC State game loom now? Because if Syracuse had lost that game, five and three at this point looks a lot worse than six and two. So Florida State's Joshua Farmer He was the one who hit Devin Leary, NC State quarterback, in that game between the Wolfpack and the Seminoles that cost Leary the rest of his season a week before Syracuse played NC State. You never root for a guy's injury, but that play worked to Syracuse's advantage the next week in a huge way. I'm not sure the Orange beat the Wolfpack if Leary plays. Instead, that was a big break, and now it is even bigger because Syracuse is kind of limping through this middle part of its schedule like a lot of people thought it would prior to the season. So Syracuse gets the win over NC State. Not a lot of expectations to win at Clemson. And then Notre Dame, a team that looked a lot better early in the season than it did coming into this game, now clips the orange as well. I think pressure is an intangible thing, and it's, it's pretty hard to quantify. But I guarantee SU would start to feel a lot more of it if it was 5-3 and three this afternoon with games against Pitt, Wake Forest and Sam Hartman and Florida State and Jordan Travis coming up down the schedule. Not to mention a BC team that, if it finally wakes up, could beat you on its day. I think, Even though the Eagles lost today to UConn in a maybe not so shocking upset, that BC can still get you with Phil Dracovic if they play well. So Syracuse would not want to be limping down the final part of its schedule with a third loss. Instead, that NC State game matters that much more. And the big problem today, why Syracuse looked like it was just discombobulated, not matching up to Notre Dame in physicality, didn't look fresh. To me, 
the big reason why is that SU looked like a team that didn't really know what its game plan on offense was, or at the very least lost confidence in it pretty quickly, particularly under Garrett Schrader when he was in the game at quarterback, and we'll have more on him later. But a whole lot of things on offense were tried in this game and didn't work. There were plenty of passes that Schrader couldn't find anybody on. Sean Tucker struggled to find space, especially in the middle of the field. There was that Courtney Jackson reverse that was snuffed out. You know, Dino Babers likes his trick plays or special plays or whatever he calls them, but that didn't work too well. And then that screen pass to Sean Tucker on a third down, that was used once and then shelved. SU just started getting all over the place with its play calling. It got more and more disjointed as the first half wore on. And then, of course, the second half with Carlos Del Rio Wilson into the game, things changed. But at least with Garrett Schrader in, SU never quite got into a rhythm on offense. From the first pass of the game, the pick six, all the drives in the first half, with the exception of the touchdown on the second drive for Syracuse on the game, looked out of sync. You know, Notre Dame's defense give them credit. Isaiah Foskey had a really good afternoon in this game. J.D. Bertrand as well on the Notre Dame defense. They were always around the ball. But at the same time, this was a team with Jack Kaiser banged up on the defensive end for Notre Dame that coming into this game, if you look at our crystal ball predictions, a lot of us thought that Syracuse could move the ball on Notre Dame. 24 points later, you would think that was kind of the case, but for a lot of this game, there was a huge disparity between total yards. Syracuse ended up losing that battle on the afternoon. And at the end of the day, this is a rare game where SU came into the afternoon looking like the better team, and it just got rolled at home. It doesn't happen much under Dino Babers because his other teams throughout his tenure have been much worse than this one. But this is an instance where it happened. Most places you looked, media-wise, had Syracuse winning mostly close in this game, and the Irish just kind of stopped them. That's credit to Marcus Freeman, head coach of Notre Dame, and his staff for being ready and sticking with his game plan and keeping his team disciplined. You know, SU made mistakes in this game, unusually not a game with a lot of penalties for Syracuse. That's an exception for the Orange. SU had only three on the day. But from the pick six on the opening drive of the game to drop passes, Yamari Hatcher had a really bad one. Aronde Gadsden uncharacteristically had a few. Devon Cooper had a couple more. Uh, to really bad special teams, Max von Marburg with his worst punt of the year, and then James Williams with the blocked one in a rare instance where he was called on to punt the football. All around, just some bad stuff that happened for Syracuse, errors. And this was an ugly game for SU at the end of the day that it can't really feel all that good about. Even in the Clemson game, in a matchup that Syracuse probably should have won, there were positives to take away from that one. This is a game that is your quintessential trash can game. Just throw it away, move on to next week, get ready to go down to Pittsburgh and play a Panthers team that, like Notre Dame, doesn't look quite as good as it did last year. But if today's game is any indication, that doesn't really mean a whole lot for Syracuse. The Orange have a lot to get right ahead of this week. And we've got one of our Fizz staffers in here, Ian Unsworth as well, who 
I'm eager to hear from in this call as well, because he was monitoring this game as well, had his eyes on it throughout the afternoon. So, Ian, if you have some addition to make to this space, go ahead and raise your hand and I'll get your mic on and you can share your thoughts before we move on throughout the day. And I see you now. So, Ian, what do you have for this game? Anything that I just said or any uh, any points you'd like to bring up as we move on in this space? Yeah, uh, Carter, I know you mentioned the first your first sort of uh, point of, of – uh, touching off would be Tony White's defense. And I think all season we've been saying, oh, the defensive line, you know, they're undersized, but, oh, they look pretty good. Oh, they're stopping the run. It's now really – it's gut check time for the SU defensive line. And without Terry Lockett, we all figured the team would struggle. And it kind of showed up last week because Clemson ran the ball really effectively, but DJ Uyunglele probably had the worst game of his life. Uh this week with uh, Notre Dame's offensive game plan, I know uh, anyone who was watching on TV saw that the Drew Pine, Tommy Reese, like double box shot with, uh, you know, Tommy Reese just yelling at Drew Pine on the phone uh, like 30 times. It popped up on the TV broadcast. But Tommy Reese, to his credit, stuck with what was working. And I think a lot of times, especially in college football, People want to run the gadget plays and do all this cool stuff they did in, in, in practice and implemented for this week. Tommy Reese just said, we're going to give it to Audric Estime until you can stop him. And a Syracuse D-line that's running Elijah Fuentes, Cundiff, and Kevon Darton out there for all the play, like every single play of the game. Not to mention JTS Gear, who's still 240 pounds. Steve Linton, who's 215, maybe 225 soaking wet. Like, these dudes just can't compete with the you know, the Midwestern road graders on Notre Dame's O-line. Yeah, excellent point. I mean, so first of all, Tommy Reese, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. I didn't have a chance to watch the TV broadcast, but after the fact, I did see plenty about that on social media. It was a frustrating day for Drew Pine, but like you said, he didn't really have to do much. Nine for 19 for a buck 16. One touchdown, one interception, also took a sack. So it completed less than 50%, but like you said, it didn't matter because Audrey Estime ran for 123 yards on 20 carries, also scored twice. And then Logan Diggs, backing him up, 20 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. So Notre Dame had two guys who did most of its legwork in the running game for over 200 yards combined for those two. We thought... In the crystal ball predictions we did, I think those two got brought up by a couple different people. And the general feeling was, well, surely SU has to do a better job against Estime and Diggs than it did against Will Shipley for Clemson, who ran all over them down in Death Valley a week ago. And now the point that you made about the defensive line and the sizes of the the units that played against each other today, SU's defensive line versus Notre Dame's offensive line, there is a huge disparity between those two. And I think last week we saw the warning sign and we just chalked it up to, well, Clemson's a team of five stars and surely, you know, that won't happen again, even though Will Shipley ran for 172. But Audric Estime is a power back. He's not a speed guy. You know, he's not a burner, but he always found a hole against the SU defense and matches up size-wise with SU's linebackers. I mean, I commented covering the game for Fizz that he and Michael Jones are almost the same size, listed 
within an inch of one another. And I think like fewer than five pounds. So every time he would run into the linebacking core and crack helmets with Jones or Marlo Wax, not only did you think, man, he really has a lot of size, but you were also wondering, where's the Syracuse defensive line? Notre Dame's offensive line has five starters, all of them, who are over 300 pounds. Meanwhile, on SU's defensive line, Jatias Gear, 233 pounds. Kayvon Darton is one of the bigger guys, 266 even Caleb Okachukwu, who on the eye test looks like maybe the biggest guy on that line, is 268. He's given up 40 pounds minimum to the lightest Notre Dame offensive lineman. And at the end of the day, you know, size isn't everything for the O-line. Notre Dame's guys up front still have to have technique and strength and ability to push guys back. But that more than any other was a big reason why Notre Dame had success today and just pounded the rock over and over and over with success. It was telling that the Irish, even on plays on third down where they had to get five or more yards, still just ran basically HB dive, just handoffs up the middle to Estime or Diggs. 56 carries for 246 yards on the day for Notre Dame compared to just nine completions through the passing game. So, I think it's totally fair to say that the Achilles heel for Syracuse now as it looks down the stretch of its schedule is its run defense. And Terry Lockett being hurt is a part of that, the defensive tackle who went down against Virginia and is gone for the year. He's a part of that. But again, this defensive line, the new-look unit for Syracuse that we all expected to be an issue this year is now kind of rearing its head. It's a problem now. And it's especially bad news going up next week against Pittsburgh and running back Israel Abanakanda. Abanakanda, yeah, right. right? You got that right. Abanakanda. Abanakanda, right? That's always always a tough one to spit out, but a tougher job to defend him on the defensive end. He looks like an All-American this year. 959 yards entering today, 13 touchdowns. So he's scoring about as much as Sean Tucker did last year, and he has plenty of room to work with through the rest of the schedule. If SU couldn't deal with Will Shipley and a Notre Dame backfield by committee with a couple, you know, bruising bowling ball type guys, how are the Orange going to deal with him next week and the Pitt offense? I know this Pitt team isn't as good as the one last year with Kenny Pickett, but still that is a great back in the backfield. So for me, is it panic time? Not for the team, but for the run defense, yes. For the season, no. SU are still 6-2, and two, bowl eligible with some winnable games coming up, but definitely some things to tighten up in that, uh, that defensive side. Carter, the other thing, it, it felt like 2020 almost when Liberty and Duke were just running up the middle. You can't stop it. When, if, you, if you're a baseball player, you can't hit a fastball. You're probably not making the majors, right? It's the same sort of thing for Syracuse. You're not going to finish strong if you can't stop the run because that leaves your defense on the field, right? Takes away time from the offense, which n- needs the football to really get going. And with Carlos Del Rio Wilson at the helm, uh, you're going to need your defense to save you multiple times if the picks keep coming, the three and outs keep coming. The Syracuse defense has already saved the offense uh, a, a multitude of times this season. But if the defense can't get off the field, if the run continues to be a problem, the SU defense, as we've seen kind of over the past two games, won't have that juice, won't have that 
you know, that, that extra reserve left in the tank to make stops in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, when Syracuse really needs it, because they're going to be gassed from stopping 50 runs through the first three. Yeah, the old football lifer cliche is that if you want to win games, you have to run and stop the run. And today, Syracuse certainly couldn't stop the run. Couldn't get a lot going in its run game either, although Sean Tucker didn't have an awful day. He did more than he did against Clemson, but with Syracuse down for most of this game, there was only so much he could do. Tucker 16 for 60. And with the run defense in mind, I think it's fair to say, you know, shifting gears a little bit, that Syracuse's injuries are definitely catching up to it at this point. Because even though Notre Dame won by 17 points, I still came away from this one thinking that was a game that was winnable for Syracuse if it had just kept itself together. Notre Dame is not as well-rounded a team as Syracuse is. Clearly, you can see that with how much the passing game for Notre Dame struggled today. But it matched up just well enough, Notre Dame did, with a banged-up Syracuse defense to basically play the way it wanted to. Notre Dame executed its game plan the way it felt comfortable and never had to get out of it. It was ugly, grinded-out football, carry after carry after carry for those running backs. A lot of runs up the middle where Terry Lockett would be at defensive tackle if he wasn't hurt, where Stephon Thompson would be converging from his outside linebacker spot if he hadn't gone down in the season opener, and so on. You know, Garrett Williams went down in this game again, and you feel bad for him with how much he struggled with injuries this year. Just seems to keep getting nicked up. But I would have loved to have seen what a full-strength Syracuse defense could have done today against Notre Dame. It's a big could have, should have, would have. Injuries aren't something that coaches can control. Um, but it's now the reality for SU that it has to deal with that. You know, you're, you're going to have to play if you're Syracuse, the Kevin Jobity juniors of the team and the Elijah Fuentes Cundiffs on your defensive line who, you know, some of them don't have experience. Some of them don't have size and some of them don't have either in your depth chart. And that doesn't bode very well first against Pitt with its running back, whose name I tried once and got right, and I think I'm just going to leave it at that. And then Florida State and Wake Forest with two good quarterbacks who are going to keep you honest. So that's an issue for Syracuse that unfortunately doesn't have an easy fix, is that we knew coming into the season that this was a top-heavy defense that now lacks some of its main guys who could help it against the run at this point, but who can't play. They, they just aren't physically capable. And that's bad news, but it's where Dino Babers and Tony White make their money. You know, figure out a way to use the guys you have in the best way possible. And to its credit, Syracuse is trying things on the defensive line in between breaks that maybe aren't visible on television and then in the game, if you're paying close attention, SU substitutes a lot on its defensive line. It makes a conscious effort to try and keep the guys it has fresh, to try and give opposing offenses new looks. I'm sure Tony White is going through his playbook, dialing up stunts on the defensive line, dialing up pressure from the linebacking core where he can. But that's where a lot of difficulty for this defensive line comes in. We can rag all we want on how much size they have or don't have. But injuries are a big issue for this team. As unfortunate as it is because there's no 
quick fix, no magic pills to take to get guys back on the field. But that's something that I was thinking about watching this game is that's a big hurt for Syracuse right now. No pun intended that it doesn't have its main guys on defense on the field anymore. Going through its depth chart using guys it may not have wanted to put on the field, that is a big problem. So moving on from the defensive side, we've talked a lot about what Tony White's defense did today. And to his credit, it tried to stop the one thing Notre Dame was giving it. The Irish had 362 total yards in the game, still outgains SU by about 80. And we've gone through the running back stats so far and Notre Dame's offense. But let's shift gears now to Syracuse's offensive side of the football and there was some interesting stuff that went down today two quarterbacks again Garrett Schrader started this game and started it uniquely poorly with a first pass first play pick six that made it seven nothing Notre Dame with a snap of a finger Schrader finished five of 14 with a touchdown pass to Aronde Gadsden on the one drive where Syracuse looked pretty smooth on offense on the ensuing drive after the pick six And then an interception later on in the game from Schrader, who did not have his best game. Far from it. And depending on who you looked at or who was watching the game or who covered it, you can find some details about Schrader limping around the field a little bit. At one point, he took a shot to the head and appeared to stumble after the fact. So it's anyone's guess as to how healthy Schrader is coming off this game. But the reality is he was benched. At halftime, Carlos Del Rio Wilson then entered the game for Syracuse, the backup quarterback, the transfer from Florida. And he didn't play all that badly, all things considered, off of, I don't know, a half's notice. So he spent last year at Florida, the redshirt freshman, Carlos Del Rio Wilson, finished this game 11 of 22 with a touchdown pass and an interception. 190 yards on the afternoon, sacked three times, also had another interception that he threw that was wiped away by a Notre Dame offsides penalty. So a mixed bag for DRW, as we were calling him on the fizz, 50%, 190 yards. But he made some good throws. I would say he showed quite a bit today. That was my main takeaway from Del Rio Wilson. His arm strength is probably his best attribute. He made some really good throws, especially to some receivers who have not been involved in the game plan practically the whole season. The fourth quarter drop by Yamari Hatcher down the sideline on the deep bomb that he threw was probably his best throw of the day. Traveled maybe 50 yards in the air, a rainbow down the far sideline that was a big play in the game. An unfortunate drop for Hatcher on a day where SU's wideouts did have problems with drops. but. I now kind of wonder how fairly we've gotten after SU's wideouts this year when Del Rio Wilson is hitting guys like Damian Alford and Demarcus Adams once he got in the game. Is it really fair to badger the receivers about separation and all that other stuff when one quarterback can find them when he gets into the game and the other suddenly can't in Garrett Schrader? I mean, Del Rio Wilson probably had 20 minutes notice, if that, that he was going to come in the game. And all of a sudden, he finds Demarcus Adams for his second touchdown of the year 
Guy hadn't scored since the UConn game. Damian Alford, who has been putting up basically one catch per game over the last couple weeks, he was getting into the action in this game. I don't think there's a quarterback controversy heading into the Pittsburgh game. But Del Rio Wilson can do himself some favors if Schrader can't go next week, whether it's Schrader's ankle, whether that blow to the head meant anything that people took notice of on Twitter. We can't speculate on Schrader's health, but for all intents and purposes today, it looked like a health-based benching. So instead of Schrader's first performance-based benching, I don't think he rode the pine because he wasn't playing well. That was a part of it. But I think his poor play was a direct consequence of some bad health, whether it was the ankle, whether it was the head, whatever. But Del Rio Wilson, if he plays well against the Panthers in Pittsburgh next week, and that is a tall order, that's where things might get interesting if Syracuse looks good offensively or pulls off a win against the Panthers. Because as much as we've supported Garrett Schrader this season, and as good as he has looked in a couple different games against Louisville, against UConn, against Wagner, late in the game against Purdue. Garrett Schrader has looked great. But in the last couple matchups against NC State, against Clemson, and again today, Schrader made some bad choices. Made some bad choices with the football on the pick six early on in the game. A couple other dangerous throws that he couldn't find Aronde Gadsden in particular on. He looked like he was staring down Gadsden on a couple different plays. There was one instance where Courtney Jackson was clearly the prime receiver on one play where he motioned from the near side of the field to the far side, was wide open in the, in the flat, and Schrader never looked his way. Always looked to the near side, then took off and ran that way, and then went down for minimal gain, if anything. There are some questions for Syracuse on offense, but I think Del Rio Wilson showed a fair bit today. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch what Dino Babers and Robert and I do with that offense in Pittsburgh. So as we wrap up this Fizz Twitter space, our post-game coverage, we appreciate everybody who's dropped by. So we wrap it up again. Notre Dame, 41, Syracuse, 24. The Orange dropped to 6-2. and two. Notre Dame improves to 5-3 and three under Marcus Freeman. The Fighting Irish dominated this game on the ground. That's your big factor. 246 yards rushing Syracuse with only 61 on the day and 2.4 yards per carry. Garrett Schrader looked shaky in this one. Don't know if he just wasn't ready. Don't know if he was hurt. But Carlos Del Rio Wilson showed a spark in this one that is your item to watch ahead of next week. And on the defensive side, I'm sure the defensive coordinator, Tony White, is doing what he can with a unit that has been struck down by injuries and today couldn't hang with a Notre Dame offensive line that had a lot of weight against the Syracuse defensive line. 300-pounders on that O-line versus SU's quote-unquote undersized defensive line was a mismatch. So as Syracuse heads down its schedule with a couple more tough conference games, be on the lookout for those things because that will dictate where Syracuse is going come bowl season. If SU can only pull off one more win this year and finish up at 7-5, and five, you can kiss that orange ball trip goodbye. That may go to Wake Forest, depending on what happens in conference. Meanwhile, SU could end up playing for, I don't know, the Cheez-It Bowl or something similar down the stretch 
if it can't patch up its issues, especially on the defensive side. So once again, thank you for everyone who popped in and listened on the Orange Fizz Instant Reactions Twitter space. SU falling today to Notre Dame, 41-24. And the Orange back in action next week at Pitt to take on the Panthers in Pittsburgh. We'll have Orange Fizz coverage for that game as well and a post-game Twitter space. So stay tuned to theorangefizz.com for our written content and to the Orange Fizz Twitter account for our game day coverage. We'll see you next week. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.